Well, there you are, and welcome to Redemption's Table. I'm Robert Barge, your host. You've probably already noticed there's a little different vibe in the air today. It's December, one of my favorite times of year, and the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ is not that far away. Now, I don't know what Christmas means to you. I don't know how familiar you are with Advent. I don't know your family traditions, but I do know December can be one of the toughest months to get through when you are hurting inside. I was in that place last Christmas. Maybe that describes where you are today. Well, I believe encouragement and good surprise is already coming your way. And hopefully these December table episodes can add to that. I'm about to retrace my steps from 2020 as God led me on a most unusual adventure journey. So get ready. Your Christmas may be spinning, but God's invitation is solid. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Well, there you are. And welcome back for another Advent rebranded episode of Redemption's Table. We are in the Advent season. We are in the midst of lighting four Advent candles. Yet last year, I was not in the mood for Christmas. And we began this journey last week. As I shared with you that in 2020, instead of lighting the candle of hope, I changed the name of the candle to the candle of catastrophe. And this week, we light the candle of love ordinarily, but I have renamed this candle. And this week, we are lighting the candle of redemption. Now, I know for those of you who are regular listeners, this is Redemption's Table, and I talk a lot about redemption, and yet when I was looking for a word that matched the significance of the love described as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, redemption was the perfect word. So I want to begin today's episode by reading an excerpt from Sally Lloyd-Jones' wonderful The Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a Bible for children, and yet it reads wonderfully for adults as well. And here on page 17 of The Jesus Storybook Bible, I'd like to read an excerpt. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of the story, there's a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. This is the child who would one day, but wait. Our story starts where all good stories start, right at the very beginning. 
The Advent story begins where all stories begin, with words. And more specifically, it begins in John 1.1 with the word. In the beginning was the word, the logos, a word expressed, a revelation. John 1.1, in the beginning always was the word, and the word always was with God, and the word always was God. We unpacked that verse last week in the Eucatastrophe episode. goes on to say, John 1.1, it says, In him, in Jesus, was life. In Jesus always was life, and the life, the is a definite article, the life was the light of men. John 1 continues, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot chase it down, but that doesn't stop it from trying. The darkness chases the light right up to the edge of hopelessness. The enemy comes after everything that is around this table. When the Lamb of God was born, the wolves were in the shadows. It is a dark world getting darker all the time. And the ache for redemption has never been more exposed to the surface like it is right now. The raw nerve of tremendous need is exposed. It has been throughout this year, 2021. And those of us who have seen the light know what people walking through darkness and pain need. Romans 8.22 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And it was at such a time as back then, after 400 years of the written silence of God, and it is such a time as now that Advent burst upon the scene. And the darkness is shattered with the lighting of the candle of hope, the very first candle, the candle of eucatastrophe. Last week we unpacked this, and I shared that eucatastrophe, the definition, it's a, it's a good catastrophe. Eucatastrophe is what happens when everything's terrible and suddenly, out of nowhere, everything that was falling apart reverses and starts falling together. Eucatastrophe is that moment when all hope is gone and suddenly all hope breaks loose. Hope is everywhere you look. We ended last week's episode with a quote by my friend Bob Goff. Bob says, For evil has a way of looking like it's going to win right up until it doesn't. Even when it seems like hope has lost the lead, redemption is where the story is headed. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, is what John 1 says. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's how the message paraphrase reads. Literally, Jesus pitched his tent with us. Redemption is a powerful word. It is pure love in the flesh. God in the flesh, love sent from God. Love is God rescuing us. Do we deserve this rescue? Well, I can only speak for myself, but I will tell you, no, I do not. We do not. But do we need this rescue? Absolutely. We will never make it back to our true home without it. It's unbelievable that God would love us that much. The word redeem is to undo. It means to undo the damage that Satan, our common enemy, 
has caused. To redeem is to unlock the chains of sin that shackle us. To redeem is to buy us back from the slavery of our disobedience. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it reads, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung upon a pole. Cursed is everyone who is hung upon a tree. Jesus died upon a tree. He died upon the cross. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. I just want to pause right here. Most of us do not think of silver and gold as being perishable, and yet the Bible says they are. It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. No, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And then there's a powerhouse verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That blows my mind. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took all sin, became all sin, paid all sin, so we might become God's righteousness. I'm not making that up. That's redemption. You may ask, why would God do this? Love, a crazy kind of love. And this, by the way, is real love. If you want to test whether love is real or not, how close does it resemble the love of God? There's your test. You see, God's love ain't got no quit. God's love does not have a reverse gear. God's love does not have an expiration date. God's love has no grace, period. The story of redemption is the purest, clearest example of what love really means. For you see, love and redemption, those two words are synonymous. When God first laid this idea, these two words together, redemption's table upon my heart, What I meant by that when I shared it the very first time was, this is love's table. This is God's table. It redeems, it loves. I'm a writer. I do that a good bit. And I write and I also speak. And I believe personally I am a better writer than I am a speaker. And this podcast, whenever we do these solo episodes, it's kind of somewhere between, in between the way I preach and the way I write. But I have written a good deal about redemption these past few years, and I just want to share with you for the next few minutes three writings, just excerpts, different things that I have written these past 10 years. Uh, A few of these are, are some, some, paragraphs that I've totally forgotten, and I read them and I go, wow, I I wrote that. mm, Wow. Uh, Here's writing number one. I came, as it were, to an old ferry boat on the Niagara, close enough to the falls to cause neck hair to fear. 
My ambitions were piled on the raft, and the ferry began its creak against the force of the mighty current. And then I saw my sovereign nod his head, and then I saw the laugh of a blade as old claw cut the cord that held me secure. In an instant, I was swept over the brink, and I plummeted to the depths beneath a violent churn that bound me eternal. As I spun, drowning, rod and staff fought, nod and laugh until Sovereign won, and Niagara vomited me out like a wasted Jonah. Little remained below the drop of what once was carried above it. But what remained was choice. What remained was polished grace. What remained was nothing less than the spectacle of Abba, with more than a few additional surprises tossed in for my good measure and his good pleasure. It is true what I heard long ago. What sovereign allows, he redeems. Writing number two, entitled, Let the Author Write the Story. How can a story as bizarre as this not end to the glory of God? I recall the first time I prayed those words at the close of 2011. Fifty-one years of tranquility had erupted into a year of chaos that included a separation that ended in divorce, a historic wildfire that should have destroyed everything we owned, and a sudden heart attack of a family member. In one fell swoop, all seemed lost. Family was redefined. Ministry was set aside. Vision was extinguished. My heart was encased in volcanic ash. Faith in God almost died. Yet out of the hilarious absurdity of it all, my faith somehow found a toehold on a surfboard that boiled up from somewhere deep within that exploded to the surface on a wave of pure lava and one bewildered petition a faint heartbeat of wonder accompanied that prayer. How can a story as bizarre as this not end to the glory of God? Eventually, we all find ourselves on the corner of weird and wow, where twilight zone tosses comfort zone to the curb, where we come to the end of our rope and find yet another plot twist, where we roll our eyes to heaven and smirk, Really? Where the mistaken mistaken words I thought I heard at a Seder meal one night seemed more true than what was actually spoken. Crazy be the Lord our God. Well, I mistook crazy for praise it. In my foolishness, I cannot help but wonder if my petition, how can a story as bizarre as this not end to the glory of God, if somehow my petition passed over the lips of Jesus in the garden as he was anticipating his story's momentary conclusion. As he prayed in that garden, as his blood, uh, his sweat became his blood, did he pray, Abba, this is crazy? That I fed 5,000 with two biscuits and five sardines seems more possible now than what I'm about to accomplish. How can 10 pints of pure blood cover billions upon billions of sins? How can hanging on tomorrow's cross save the world? How can enduring the horrific layers of pain, shame, and guilt for generations bring redemption to all? 
How can a story as bizarre as this not end to the glory of God? Abba, you are crazy to love so much. You are crazy to go to such heights and depths. You are crazy over each one of your treasured creations, and I am crazy too. Not my will, but thine be done. Write your story in plasma. Chisel your truth on the tablet of my body for all the world to read. And in the next three days, the author and finisher of our faith potentially rewrote every page of every life that would eventually surrender to his sovereignty. How can a story as bizarre as this not end to the glory of God? Perhaps the hammers and nails of the moment are just now forcing that question from your soul. Perhaps you are eagerly waiting to see how God is going to redeem your chapters of brokenness. Perhaps what seemed the final stone was rolled across your threshold a lot longer than three days ago. Let me offer a word of encouragement that has become my daily meditation. Let the author write the story. Let the composer score the song. Let the impressionist smother the canvas with paint. Let the potter spin the clay. Trust God. He's still telling your story. You would be crazy not to. Writing number three, entitled Redeeming Love. I returned this month to port pay Haiti. 300,000 people struggle to survive in this compact coastal city. I saw God at work in Haiti, and I saw him often. And there was one particular moment Abba Father had designed just for me. It was almost as if I had to travel hundreds of miles out of country to receive a surprise reminder from God. I was sitting in an incomplete downtown sanctuary on a Sunday morning. The rafters of the church were silhouetted against the blue sky. The pews were filled to capacity as over 200 native voices lifted in beautiful song. I was moments away from proclaiming the Word of God, and then I heard a familiar melody. In spite of the language barrier, I knew exactly what they were singing. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Emmanuel, God with us. And instantly, God's Spirit wooed my heart to the last line of that hymn. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Die. When I came to that line of that hymn, the last line, I fell upon my face on that concrete floor in that sanctuary, and I worshiped the Redeemer. Every life has a theme. Your theme is the song by which you live your life. Your theme is the truth or the lie by which you live your life. I'm blessed to know my theme in life. Since I was 10 years old, I have somewhat known this theme, but it took the worst thing that has ever happened to me to help me grow up and experience this theme in a deeper, richer way. I know my Redeemer, 
and I know his redeeming work more intimately now than ever before. I am marked, I am scarred, I am cast, I am shaped. I am defined, I am freed, I am commissioned by redeeming love. Well, thanks for sharing the table today. We're halfway to the to Christmas on our weekly Advent journey. Instead of lighting the first candle of hope, last week we lit the candle of catastrophe. Instead of lighting the second candle of love, today we lit the candle of redemption. And next week, instead of lighting the third candle of joy, well, you'll just have to wait and see. Until then. On our way out today, I want to share with you three wonderful resources, possible Christmas gifts, that point the way to the true meaning of this season. First, if you have children, grandchildren, or even great-grands, I recommend the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones as the number one Christmas gift. Second, singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson's wonderful Behold the Lamb of God tour is going on right now for the 22nd year in cities across the country. For more information or to watch the live stream event from the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, go online to andrew-peterson.com. And third, if you want to read the biblical story of Jesus for yourself, Go online to plusnothing.com, P-L-U-S-N-O-T-H-I-N-G.com for free copies of the book, The Life and Teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, which is the actual Bible books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John woven into one harmonized account. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend all three.